Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 94. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Joey Valera of the band Varsity. Uh, huge shout out to him for taking the time to do this conversation. Um, they've got a lot of really cool stuff happening right now. So uh, we touch on a lot of different things, including new music, kind of the background and the way that Joey writes and inspirations and things like that and creating this soundscape that's familiar but it's also very unique um it's just it's very authentic and you know we talk about the authenticity in this conversation as well and just kind of being true to who you are when you're putting out music and and creating art and things like that um their new album is getting ready to drop on november the 19th via spine farm records that album is their debut full-length album. It is called Welcome Home. Um, it's really, really sweet, guys. Uh, I've listened to it a few times. Got the uh, the early advance, you know, and um, definitely there are some songs on here. And Joey and I actually talk about some of the songs on here uh, that are, are going to be sleepers. You know, you're not really expecting it, and then it's going to pop off. And you're going to listen to it a few times and it's going to be the song that you're like, oh shit, you know, this is what I'm, what I'm relating to and this is what I want to hear. Um, so yeah, great, great album coming up soon. Um, that's everything really to lead into this episode. So let's go ahead and just jump right into this conversation that I had with Joey Valera of the band Varsity. All right. So to kick things off, I do always start with the same boring ass question, though. Uh, that's the simple introduction, <laughs> man. Who you are, what you do in the band and just a you know quick little background on yourself. Uh, yeah. So my name is Joey. I sing for Varsity and I drink a lot of coffee. That's literally it. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's kick off with the coffee question then. What's your like, everybody's going to say Starbucks order. I'm not going to like, what's your perfect cup of coffee? Uh, so I like my coffee light and sweet. Um, normally I don't, I'm not a Starbucks guy. Like I usually go to Dunkin'. Um, I just, I'm not into like specialty coffees as much. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of feel like it's just, I don't know. It's just not my thing. I'll have one if I need to, but, uh, light and sweet is always like my thing. <laughs> yeah. Solid man. Like I'm, I'm kind of the same. I don't drink a ton of coffee, but when I do, like I have a friend that used to drink just fucking black coffee and i'm like gotcha. why what it what is the fucking i could never that? yeah i could never i've actually tried drinking black coffee and i've hated myself for it it's just so bad <laughs> it's the worst and he, it literally he tries to is. tell me yeah he tries to tell me all the time well it depends on like where the beans are from and all this shit and i'm like no it's you got to put some milk some sugar like let's let's make it yeah but drink. you know that's kind of weird also because i also don't want to do my research on beans i just want my coffee to <laughs> taste good you know i don't want to have to research the beans to know that the coffee is going to taste good if it's black you know <laughs> right and, and that's kind of my thing like you don't research your your like coke products right like you don't man yeah. you know mcdonald's does this formula but wendy's does this like i don't fucking yeah. care give me a soda and yeah. let's get on with the day <laughs> Yeah, dude, just give me what I'm here for and just let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. So um, for people that aren't familiar with you guys, let's talk a little bit about the history of who Versity is and like kind of how you guys came to be because you've got a pretty pretty unique story in that for a, an artist that comes across to the average listener, and that may be an insult to some people, but you know, the casual <laughs> listener, you know, you're kind of hard to define. Cause you're kind of a hardcore, like almost metalcore band at some points, but then you've got this hip hop aspect and everything. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like That's how a... did, how did Joey decide, like, I'm going to make music and it's going to be whatever the fuck I want. Uh, the, so this is a great question because the answer is I just started playing guitar and just did whatever the fuck I wanted. Like, <laughs> I don't actually, you know, it's funny. I feel like I've said this before, but like no one ever believes me, but I don't actually have a plan for anything that I do. 
um when i write music i start i literally pick up a guitar or like i go on like my midi keyboard and i write out a bunch of riffs and when i'm done i just go back and sing over it and i'm like okay this is the song i never think of what i want to write ever i mean but that to me that's super cool because i know there's going to be like some some like you know music purists out there that are like no yeah. you have to go in with a a song structure and you have to do this like no let fucking real life come across right like because you write yeah so personal lyrics so yeah yeah like i was it's, gonna it's, say like you write really personal lyrics so like why wouldn't the music match just that that raw personality yeah like i, I that's exactly it like when i write everything like i kind of want it to be like as raw and you know as natural as possible and i go back and i add the lyrics and the melodies and everything else I leave all of like the actual formula shit for like my producer. Like he's, he's more like, this is a great song. Let's kind of move these parts around or whatever. And I'm just like, sure. I trust, obviously I trust you. You're a professional. Um, right. <laughs> but I never, I never think about that stuff. Like, I'm just like, Oh, I got this idea in my head. I'm going to, I'm going to play it and I'm going to sing whatever the hell comes to my head. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's, you know, I, I say all the time that authenticity breeds real fans and real connection. Um, you know, yeah. so like your music writing from a very personal perspective and being real and not chasing the next pop single or whatever, it breeds this fan base. That's like, fuck, I relate to this. Let's, yeah. let's you know, support and see what's going on. Yeah. But also to, to piggyback off of that, that, that I feel like more so back in the day, there was. I mean, even some bands nowadays, there's a structure to how everything happens and a very right. ABC kind of way that things happen. And, you know, fans do love it. And I, you know, they, they appreciate it. But I noticed that the more raw you are, the more people are interested because they rather than just feel like you're this put together machine, whatever thing, they can actually feel that it's like the real you in the music and they connect to that more than anything else. And it's fucking sick. It's actually fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's just it is like, I use Justin Bieber as an example a lot of times because like, dude is kind of the king of pop nowadays for this generation, right? Yeah. But like, if you were yeah. to go to a Justin Bieber concert, like, yeah, you know what the music's going to be and you're going to sing along or whatever. But like going to a varsity show, like, this is the same emotions that I feel. You know, I've been through yeah. the same type of shit. Like, now we're going to have fun and it's going to be. Yeah you know, this connection of he's up there singing, rapping, screaming these words that I've felt all along myself. Yeah, I feel like that's also really important because with most, with most like mainstream pop artists, like they sing like a lot of things that like, and don't get me wrong, I love pop. Like I'm a huge like Ariana Grande, like Justin Bieber fan. So I love them, but <laughs> I don't ever really connect to this stuff the way I do like anything in like, I guess the metalcore, hardcore, post-hardcore, like, genre of music. Because I feel like us at, this may be shitty to say, but I feel like us at the bottom, because our industry is, like, under theirs, um, we take things a little more, a little more serious. Like, we want them to to kind of feel more like it, it's actually a thing rather than just a throwaway song. Yeah. I, I would 100% agree with that. And, like, I'm the same way, like, I am a sucker for, like, especially female uh, pop vocals, like Ariana Grande <laughs> is up there on my list for sure. Yeah, I'm going to marry her one day. At the same day. time, I think you, you bring a, right, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to marry her one day. She doesn't know it yet, but it's going to happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I tag her when we post this so that, you know, she can <laughs> check it out. Uh, <laughs> but no, like... I, I totally agree. Like as much as I love some of the music that those people put out, like it's there's not the same connection as there is with like I grew up listening to Bayside, you know, yeah. and the connection that I've got to Bayside lyrics versus Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, whoever, it's like, well, yeah, I like those songs, but I lived these songs. Yeah. Also, isn't it funny, like you just said, I live these songs. I, I actually had a conversation the other day with a friend. Uh, we were just like getting drunk, like in my apartment. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about music. And I literally was like, uh, I was like, I feel like music is a time machine in itself. 
you can hear a song that will literally bring you back to a very specific moment in time and you will feel everything that you felt then today if you heard that song and i get that from like yeah. metal music and everything else i i never get that from pop yeah no i i absolutely agree and i've had that same type of conversation with people where i'm like hey you know i want you to check out this song and like i think you're probably the same as me on this like because I tie so much of my life into music, like I'll send somebody a song that I'm really fucking hyped on for whatever reason, you know, connection wise. Yeah. And I'm like, I need you to listen to this song because it, it will explain why I was like I was when I was 17 years old, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but the average person or the, you know, the pop listener, you can't really, I mean, I guess you could take a Justin Bieber song and say that, but like, did you connect to it or was that just the song that was on your stereo all the time? Yeah, no, I agree entirely, man. Like I, there's very few of those songs that I connect to. Like I, I do love them. I love listening to them. Uh, I think everything from the production to the delivery is amazing, but it, it's hard to connect to like a song where like someone's singing about being rich and lonely. And I'm like, wow, I've never been right. there, buddy. Like I, <laughs> I'm pretty lonely yeah, it, all the time and I'm definitely not rich. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I was just getting ready to say, it's funny that you mentioned that part of it. Cause I was just going to say like, don't get me wrong. Any of us would take like Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande money, you know, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but at the same time, like it, it's to your point earlier, you know, I think a lot of the, to generalize it, the alternative music, you know, whether it's post-hardcore metalcore, whatever it, it's almost looked at as like, still this subculture that people don't want to admit is yeah or that is a normal thing and it's like okay but then tell me why you can go to you know granted they're smaller cap rooms a lot of times but you can yeah. go to a, a varsity show and that shit is packed and people are you know wailing on each other enjoying a mosh pit <laughs> the community that's involved in these music scenes is just insane like I can't tell you how many friends I've made at like hardcore shows just yeah. because we like the same fucking music. Yeah. I I've made most of all of my friends that I have now through like hardcore shows and stuff like that. Just going out and just like meeting people who are like-minded and have the same taste of music. And you could just be like, Oh, this song is sick. And you ever had that? Like where you're in the, you're in a crowd and you're singing along to a song. You look over to like your left or your right the person next to you singing the song and you guys catch yeah. eyes. And now you're like, we're friends now, buddy. Like that's right. it. We're just <laughs> that I've, Feel, I feel like that's like something that like happens at every show, <laughs> every yeah. like hardcore metal show or whatever. The community is just sick. Like the community is pretty dope. Yeah. And that, so that's actually where the You Make the Scene name came from is my thought process in all that was, you know, when I came out of doing freelance journalism and decided I was going to start doing it for myself, like I started thinking about it and I'm like, you know, the music scene like is made up of all these individuals like every single person plays such a huge part whether you're a fan a stage person you know an artist whoever like the fucking tour lighting guy the tour merch guy yeah it takes all of this community to mm -hmm. make the scene and like you know say what you will about it call it a subculture or call it you know not normal but man post-hardcore metalcore thrives all the time you know what i mean like those, yeah, those I don't think I don't think these away. genres. Yeah, I don't think these genres are going to go anywhere anytime soon because the fans are what like keep it alive and they're not going anywhere. No, and that that's the thing, too. I think, you know, people just don't want to admit it, that they uh, connect to the music. You know what I mean? Like I've had family <laughs> yeah. and friends. All your music's so loud and angry. OK, but it's not if you actually listen to it, you know, like, yeah, that's my favorite thing to the words. There's a lot more depth here. That is my favorite thing ever when people say, like, oh my God, your music is so angry. And I'm like, bro, you, li you listen to trap music. You, that's, the, that's literally metal <laughs> over like heavy stripped down beats. Like it's the same thing. Like it's just modern trap nowadays is literally metal. It's literally just like a bunch of people rapping or like singing over breakdowns the entire time. And I'm like, uh, this is exactly the same thing except ours has guitars and real drums it's it's no difference here right yeah and it, but we're the it's angry crazy ones to me. 
Right, right. Well, like, they're the ones that get super defensive, too. Like, not just trap fans, but the quote-unquote mainstream fans. Like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, you just didn't understand that song. Like, no, I did. There just wasn't enough substance I, to it. Yeah, I love when people try to argue that with me because I, I actually listen to um, I listen to pop more than I listen to metal. And when they try to make that argument, it's like, oh, you just don't understand because you're like a metalhead. I'm like, actually... If you want to go through my phone right now, like you will find more pop artists than metal artists. Like I, your your argument is invalid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been, I've always enjoyed like EDM and stuff like that, but I've been on a huge kick lately. And uh, I have a friend that that made that comment to me. They sent me a song by somebody, and I was like, eh, you know, not really a fan, whatever. And they're like, well, you just don't like EDM. And I'm like, mm, here's a screenshot of my last like yeah. 40 songs. Before. Well, you just don't like EDM. Like, bro, I was, I was just listening to EDM before this EDM song. What are you talking about? <laughs> awesome. Um, so let's get into a little bit about the new album, man. Um, coming out November the nineteenth. Um, yes. Tell tell people, you know, this has been a really fucking hard year and a half, almost two years at this point. Yeah. Let's go into kind of that side of things before we get, you know, super in depth on the album. What's yeah. this been like for you? Because you guys were just really starting to take off. And then well, everything was like, yeah. hey, fuck you. <laughs> so we, God, it's been a fucking nightmare. Um, We got signed in the beginning of the quarantine. Like when the shutdown actually happened, we signed our contract that month. Um, So to us was like, well, it's over. We're not going to do a goddamn thing. No label's going to want to work with us now because obviously there's no tours. There's no nothing. Right. Um, and it was a lot of sitting at home and waiting and just being depressed and sad and taking really long showers, listening to Hawthorne Heights. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the label, you know, they, they, my A&R guy called me one day in the label and they were just like, hey, we want to go through with this. Uh, let's put out an EP um, and then have you guys record a record. And so we put out uh, Cloud City during 2020. We put out in 2020. So it was like towards, I want to say, the end of the year. Um, when things started getting like a little better, but not really. Um, but that whole thing was a nightmare. Um, even writing the record, because I wrote it over the quarantine, that was a nightmare because I it's I gained most of my experiences from like going on tour and doing things. And like I always like to pull from that because it's you're pretty much seeing things every day and you're like, my head is clear because I'm traveling. But when you're not doing anything except for being home you're literally trapped inside of your own brain yeah. and that forced me to like just start digging deep for like things that like that i necessarily wouldn't have spoken about or like wouldn't have you know tried to write songs about so yeah. it, it, it was hell but it also i i think because of the quarantine like it actually made for a, a way better record right yeah and I, I think your point there's just fucking spot on like even if you're not a touring artist, when it became that lockdown of like, I started having to work from home instead of the office and things like that. And it's like all the, the personal interaction went away, all that. And now you're really stuck at home going, man, I haven't thought about this in 10 years. Maybe I should yeah. try to resolve this issue now or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's crazy. You wanted you... to or not, you know? <laughs> yeah. You actually really start thinking about that. Like when I was sitting in the studio, I'm like, all right, what can I, I have these songs now. What 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 am I gonna write about? Um, and yeah. like I really had to dig deeper. So like this record, like what I like telling people, this record is like really like a deep cut on on like my life, like a really deep one. Um, but it's also like it, it's for the better, you know, the best. Uh, it I feel like singing about the things that I actually got to sing about just made the record feel more real, you know. Yeah, for sure, and I I think that's the you know, we go back to this authenticity um, aspect of like any subgenre of music, really. Like you could have cookie cuttered a, a pop song, you know, like the formula is not that difficult, uh, yeah. but do I want to do that? And, you know, maybe, maybe not make it, or do I want to be real and put out this music that hopefully, and I, I, don't want to put words in your mouth but i think this is part of your goal and and what you would consider success you know putting out this record that fans listen to and go i connect with this and this is helping me resolve a trauma or whatever it is no yeah you're absolutely right like that's always the goal 
with everything I do. I'm like, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather not just write a song that's a song to be a song, you know, like I want to write something that people actually like connect to on some type of level. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I've got the advanced copy of the, uh, the new album. So I've been able yeah. to listen to it a few times. Um, but I, I definitely think there's some standout tracks on there that like, I don't think people are, and I mean this in the most positive way. I don't think people are ready for how real you are on some of these songs. Some of them are like kind of, uh, kind of brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But... I, I I noticed that listening to it, I was like, wow, that's like kind of like, that's kind of hard, but okay. Yeah, but I I think the fans that connect to it are going to a appreciate it. But B, I think that's going to be where you kind of, whether it's intentional or not, like, obviously, you know, we already said you don't go into anything with a game plan. So your follow-up album yeah. is not going to be this <laughs> game plan of, we're going to do that song nine times again, and this is what's going to yeah. happen. Uh, but I think you're going to find <laughs> that, you know, people are connecting with a variety of these songs. Um really weird but positive because i think you're going to run into this really cool issue of man so many people like let's say track three and you know this other whole group of people loves track seven like how do i figure yeah. out where am i you know where i'm putting this in a set list or how are we doing this like yeah you're going to have such a diverse fan base i think that it's going to be that super cool problem of obviously we can't appeal to everyone but the people that are sticking with you are definitely going to be sticking with you. Yeah. It's funny you say that we've actually been having that issue now. Like we've been playing shows recently. And so we're starting to move newer songs into the set. And I'm like, where does this fit? Like, where the hell does this even go? <laughs> <laughs> and I notice, like, as I'm doing the backtracks, I'm like, Oh, well, fuck it. I guess we're just going to play whatever show we feel like, whatever song we feel like it on stage from now on. Yeah. But I, I think that's a good, a good problem to have is that I think, obviously we can get into the depths of like Spotify analytics and, and Apple and all that stuff. But like, I think you're going to run into this thing where like in the Midwest, these songs are just killing it. So we want to put those in the set during that run, but then over here on the West coast, maybe it's these songs. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to make a really cool fan experience that way. I mean, I hope so. Cause I mean, pretty much at this point, we're like, yeah, just learn every song on the record and we're just going to randomly play whatever the people want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I forget who it was. It was, um, fuck Ben Folds used to do, I don't know if it's oh, okay, gotcha. obviously the COVID year, uh, but Ben Folds, yeah. I think the tour was called the paper airplane tour. And it was literally people would write what song they wanted him to play throw it on stage and he would just grab random songs of his and play those songs that was how his set list got made that is fucking sick that is so sick god yeah who the <laughs> it's, it's that is such insane a bizarre concept though isn't it like i can't okay, even wrap my head around that songs yeah gotta know all your songs but man like nobody could say that it wasn't the set list that they wanted at that point. Like y'all voted. Yeah. In a sense, yeah, you, you voted. So <laughs> an opinion. Yeah. But, um, I don't know if I yeah, could have so a pull that off. The album. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe like an acoustic set and have like voting beforehand or something. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll dive into the, to the album a little bit. Um, this episode is going to go live. Let's see, because I don't want you to, to spill anything you're not supposed to too early, you know. I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, nah, that's right. I get in trouble all the time, so it's totally fine. <laughs> um, I think this is going to go live next Wednesday, so November 3rd, and then the album drops about Sweet. two weeks after that. So um, yeah. diving into this, uh, the, the question that I've been asking lately for artists, I've gotten away from the whole tell me what this song really means type of thing. Cause I don't want to shatter that gotcha. for anybody. You know what I mean? Like, cause what you wrote may mean something totally different to you than what people connect it to in their lives. Yeah. So I don't want to shatter yeah. that, but let's talk a little bit about the album as a whole. You know, you, you said it's a deep cut. Um, 
kind of a deep view on your your life over the last couple mm -hmm. of years um what song would you say was like the hardest to say okay this is really raw but this needs to be out there in the public uh so i have uh two songs on the record that uh i actually did them towards the very very end of the record um one of them is called we always and the other one is called 11 a.m um and those are the two songs that it, it kind of took me the longest to write um just because i thought you know like this is i want to get this perfect like in my head before i actually say the things that i want to say um yeah. more so with 11 a.m than uh than we always but it, it's it's those two songs yeah so i was when i've listened to the album a couple of times 11 a.m and this is not me just trying to piggyback on that and say this 11 a.m is one that i saw as like a sleeper song i think at yeah. first people aren't going to be like and it's not a bad thing again i think at first people the first time they hear it are just going to be like yeah i don't get it or you know whatever yeah. like it, it doesn't connect but the more times people listen to it i think it's going to be that song where they're like fuck that's the song that I want to hear live. That's yeah, the song that I want, you know, played. It's really weird because when I wrote that song, I feel like I wasn't writing that song for anybody. I was writing it for myself. In in the weirdest way possible, I feel like I was singing that song to myself to remind myself. Yeah. Um, and then when I got the actual mix back, I'm like, holy shit. Like I, I and I had the same thought you had. I'm like, I know many people aren't gonna connect to this at first. But the people who do connect to it are going to be like, holy shit, like this is, this is, I, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's a therapy song. I mean, that's the yeah. best way to describe it. Like that song is going to, like you said, connect with people. That it's supposed to be. Um, and it's, it's going to, it's a bold statement, but it's going to provide some sort of comfort or healing to those that need it. You know, they're going to yeah. relate in a way that I think they can apply it to their life and go okay i can move on as well and do yeah you know xyz whatever it is um so now that we know what you know kind of the rawest songs were yeah what was the funnest song that you were like all right this is just super easy to write <sighs> you know took you the least amount of time uh closer <laughs> <laughs> uh track number three was the most fun song um that like it was the most fun i had writing on an actual song um that song was more kind of like specific reason yeah um i i i never really talk about uh like things that i do like or like can do like going to bars or like meeting people or doing shit or like i never sing i always try to shy away from like singing about like how do you what's a good way to put it? like more adult topics so like i don't ever yeah. sing about like sex or any of these other things or yeah. whatever but with closer i was kind of like yeah i don't give a shit i'm gonna go ahead and sing about this stuff because i'm like this is it this is my life and if you don't like it then that's too fucking bad because this is <laughs> this is my life um closer was like the most fun though it was also like i feel like closer was one of the songs where instrumentally i didn't see that turning out that way at first when we started writing it, it was something, it, it was different. And then when we got to the end and I heard it, I was like, holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is not what I expected it was going to be. But, but in the best sort of way, right? Like, yeah, that's how yeah. it usually happens is like, this went in a, you know, totally different direction, took a left turn, but it works. And, yeah, it's, you know, everything falls into place. Yeah, that song took like a huge left turn. It's funny, because it was the first song I recorded vocals for. Like I, I liked it so much because it was so different that I was like, actually, I'm going to sing this one first. We're going to start with this one. And this is going to be the basis for the whole record. <laughs> right. So um, I don't think we've actually named the record uh, since we've been talking. It is called Welcome oh. Home. Um, yes. So November the 19th, um, yeah. you guys have always tried to do music videos and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I tell people all the time on this podcast, especially like, I don't think most fans, hopefully they're starting to learn. I don't think most fans understand how expensive that shit is. <laughs> so like oh, sometimes so you have to be picky about it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So like, 
we would love to have a, a music video off of every song on the album. <laughs> yeah. Realistically, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. I can't, I can't imagine me going up to my label and be like, yo, actually, I want to film a music video for every song. So can I just get like a cool 100K and just film all of these things? <laughs> they'll, they'll probably look yeah. at me like, yeah, you can get the fuck out. <laughs> right, right. But no, I think the the cool thing is, you know, we're we're at a 14 track album. Like, you guys are, I don't know when the music industry changed on this, but like, it seems like for a very long time, 10 or 11 songs was the long end of an album. And it's like, yeah, but it's not, you know, like, so for you was that kind of a conscious decision that no we're going to put out you know 14 15 songs um because um, we want this full experience or was it just like we've got the material we might as well do it all right so it's a, it's a little weird um it wasn't supposed to be this many songs um i went into the studio and i think i had about 31 songs written because i i always overwrite things and i like to pick right. things and we were going to we were going to narrow it down to nine songs. It was supposed to be nine songs. And as we were going through them, uh, you know, me and my producer, Andrew, we just found ourselves like jamming along to certain songs. We're like, actually, well, this feels right today. So let's do it. And before we knew it, we had, um, we had 12 songs and I came home. And then while I was home, I decided I wanted to write more songs. (laughs) So my label flew me back out to Nashville. And I think we wrote four four more songs um or something like that and then we we put two on the record and then i it, it wasn't four I, I don't even know the number i know we put two on the record making it 14 and then the we wrote other songs that are not even on the record just because we're just like yeah we just want to we're vibing right now so we might as well run with it you know yeah and i mean you know deluxe albums are a thing that could happen in you know two three months yeah whatever, and just re-release yeah with a, a deluxe. no i don't want to do that i <laughs> i it's funny i actually i'm in that conversation now and i like i'm fighting them on it <laughs> because my label's like oh yeah we, we could have like some remixes or whatever for like a deluxe edition i'm like my album is 14 songs it is a deluxe edition like it <laughs> literally you might as well just let me write a new ep like just something fresh you know but I mean, honestly, if if you've got, you know, say three or four already, you're two songs away from an EP anyway. So, yeah, I think uh, right now we have I have 12 for the follow up record. Whatever comes after Welcome Home. And then we have four that are done that we have no we have no idea what we're even going to do with them. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's the best problem to have. At least you're not running into the the writer's block of like, shit, we're supposed to be doing an album and I've got nothing. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that doesn't happen to me, man. I have no life. I literally write music all day. <laughs> so I, I'll ask this. I haven't asked anybody in a while on this. Are you a pen and paper type of person or is it like notes in your phone and things like that? Uh, I cannot write lyrics in my phone for the life of me. Um, So I'm the kind of person, if I hear an instrumental, I just start singing over it. Like I, I feel it out and I'm like, all right, this is the feeling I get. And I start gotcha. singing words and then I you put the words together in my head. And then after um, I'll record them on my phone or something else, like in like a voice message, cause I need to remember yeah. the melody, but I won't put lyrics down in my phone because if you put lyrics down in your phone, you'll always go back to it. And the phone is so easy to delete lyrics when you feel like they yeah. suck, that you will wow. delete them, even if they're not bad lyrics. And I found myself before deleting things that I would, t- I would go back on and I'm like, God, that was so good. Why did I erase that the first time? So I don't, I don't, I don't allow myself to erase any of the things that I write, like in my phone. <laughs> See, but I, that's cool to me because I, I totally agree. Like the digital age has spoiled us in that, yeah, you have virtually unlimited space on your phone to write and do whatever. But at the same yeah. time, like you said, it's so easy to just be like, no, nah, I don't like that and delete it. Yep. But if it's on pen and paper or voice memos, things like that, where you can hear it, like, okay, cool maybe it doesn't work yet but there's something here yeah it's always easier to like hear something back and still like it than it is to just because sometimes if you forget a melody you'll read the lyrics like if you're reading a poem and you're like this sounds like shit (laughs) but (laughs) because of the way you're reading it you know yeah yeah um so back to my my um 
music video question that I myself divulged from. Uh, so obviously you, you guys have done a couple um, like lyric videos and, and stuff like that. Do you have plans to, to release um, any major like singles or anything as a video? Yeah, we do. We have some, um, we just, we have a tour coming up. And so it's like our schedules are a little hectic with this whole touring thing now. And then yep. also we're like some places still have like major COVID restrictions. So we can't even get the amount of people that we would need in the building to film these things. Gotcha. Um, and then also, you know, I live in New York city, so it's not like we can film in the street because you need a multi, like thousands of dollars in order to get a permit. So it's a little, it's a little hard for us out here right now, but we do have plans to like shoot, like to film some more music videos and put those out. Awesome. Yeah. It looks like, uh, speaking of the, the tour, uh, the dates that I've got for anyone listening, that's curious. Uh, looks like November 8th, you're going to be down in Nashville. Uh, mm -hmm. the 10th, you're going to be in Fort Wayne, which is only like an hour and a half away from me. So good chance I'll be there if I can. Yeah. You should uh, come hang. You should 100% yeah. come hang. Yeah. So, uh, depending on my day job and everything, I, I don't think that'll yeah. be a problem. So, uh, nice. 11, 11, you've got Canton, Ohio. Uh, the 13th is Jonesboro in Georgia. Uh, 14th is Greenville, South Carolina. 16th over in Westport Beach, Florida, the 17th, Biloxi, Mississippi, and the 19th, getting all the way over to Fort Worth, Texas. Um, yeah. So it, it's not a lot of dates, but you're, I mean, you're getting out there, right? Like that's a yeah. good span well, of- Those are not all of, yeah, those are not all of the dates. So those are the dates that we're doing with Kingdom Collapse. Um, We have dates okay. that we haven't announced yet. I think we're going to announce them tomorrow that are just us. Um before that tour and then after the 19th so after the 19th when we end that we're still on tour we have to come back home so they have to route us all the way back up and go through like a whole nother set of states but we we like it we we love being out there because you know like live music wasn't a thing for a year and a half and you know for some people it still isn't a thing um and while we have the opportunity right. to do it i mean we're gonna do it well i think you know as much as albums are really badass right like it's great that yeah. they have this collection of songs it never competes with live music you know to hear no. an artist actually put it out there with the emotion and and just feel their energy and everything it changes yep. everything about a song yeah a live setting will make a song that you like it'll turn into a song that you love yeah. really quickly yeah so let's talk about that because i'm sure that's happened to you as well being kind of the reverse side you being on the stage has there been a song in your career that you've been like man it's a it's an okay song or it's a decent song but then like you start playing it live and the fans are just eating it up and you're like okay no this is a badass song like for me playing it yeah um so i i was really afraid to play uh sick the song that we uh the singing that we just released mm -hmm. um i yeah. i knew it was doing well but i didn't think it was doing you know i when, you, when you're on this side, you don't ever actually see how well you're doing or how bad you're doing. Like, I, everything is always a mystery to me. Um, and uh, we started playing it on the last tour we went on. And uh, to my surprise, like, I was like, yeah, the song is good. We'll test it out. But there was there was never any testing from the very first day that we started playing that song. Like, everyone loved it. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, this is this is, like, really happening. And it's always shocking because, like I said, I don't see... I'll never see my band the way other people see it. So in my head, we're always terrible and we suck and we're doing everything wrong. But then we play shows and I'm like, oh, God, people are so into this. Like I didn't expect this kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of that imposter syndrome, right? Like, yeah, I'm not cool enough to have this kind of reaction or whatever. Um, and it's it's a weird thing and i don't think again i keep dogging on the casual listeners but uh you know a casual music fan i don't think they get that you know you're still just people right like yeah you still deal with the same shit anybody else does just because you get to play music for a living and that's super yeah badass, doesn't mean all your problems go away <laughs> yeah no your problems actually get worse as you <laughs> 
like if if any fans actually want to know what it's like the bigger your band gets your your problems actually become worse <laughs> because now you have no time to deal with them you're just always on the road doing something else yeah you've got <laughs> you know your own personal stuff that's getting bottled up and and put on the back burner and then you've got all the yeah. especially in today's culture not to get like super political about it or anything but like the cancel culture is just obscene right now and like you know there were just uh, yeah. allegations against all-time low whether they're true or not i don't know but like they're a band that i remember seeing in like a 300 cap room yeah and now they're headlining arenas and now these allegations are coming out and it's like man like you know they're they're up there they're pretty famous yeah. and they're still dealing with the shit that oh, yeah. you you always you'll always deal with shit man like the bigger you get the worse it actually gets and i'm i may maybe not for everyone um but for most of us i can tell you i yeah. i know a lot of people in this industry who they're just like yeah man like i thought things would get better but now like you said the things that i had to deal with i had to put them on the back burner and now i'm just a a big ball of like sadness and depression waiting to come out cuz i never dealt with any of my my issues i just went on tour and just kind of put him to the side and then also you know we're like the way shows are and things now today you also have to be like it's it's a little it's a little different because i what i like to say is the age of the rock star is like fucking dead no one cares about how mysterious you are or any of that shit fans actually want to connect to the bands they love and so you have to go out and talk yeah. to fans and like you know be personal with them but Sometimes you kind of get lost in that and you start telling people things that you didn't want to actually tell them about your life and how sad you are and it's just right. uh it's 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 a hard life for a musician man. <laughs> Before you know it, you're yeah, crying no, on some fans shoulder think... like oh my pet turtle <laughs> from the 5th grade. <laughs> <laughs> but no I I think that's a a very real thing especially now with social media and everything you know everybody feels like they're an arm's length away from everybody, yeah. you know, they, they can connect with anyone. And that's true to some extent. But you know, at the same time, I want to say this, kind of as a disclaimer, it's a double edged sword, like as a fan. Yeah, yeah you may see a lot of of the personal side of an artist. But do not mistake that for friendship and think that they're owing you anything. You know, it, they're still humans, yeah. they still have a right to privacy or, you know, to it's... say, like, you know not that not that you're an asshole yeah you know i don't know you yet i guess maybe <laughs> you are but um you know like say you're i run into you at a coffee shop like it's okay for you to say hey i'm not signing that right now like yeah got 10 minutes to get to the show or whatever like shit happens and the fact that culture now so many people when that stuff happens they just blast the artist or whoever online yeah it's like you don't even know what was fucking going on man yeah, they'll just label you an asshole just because, and sometimes they have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, it's weird, man, because you could be the nicest person in the world. And if, like what you said right now, if you don't have time to sign something and you're just like, hey, I can't sign that right now, I got to go. The person could just go online and be like, yeah, this guy's a fucking dick. Like, right. he doesn't sign things for his fans. And it's like, that's not true. I just didn't sign something for you because I was in a rush. It's, it's not all fans, but I, I have noticed there are some fans who have like this crazy sense of entitlement and they think like, I'll give you one example. Um, I, I played a show once a while ago and uh, this fan got mad that I didn't play any of her favorite songs. Um, and so, you know, like I, I, you know, I tried talking to her and I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. Like uh, we just, we have like a record coming out and we have to like push these new songs and everything else, blah, blah, blah. And the response I got was, but I paid for you to be here. Because in her eyes, I'm a fucking human jukebox and I should just do, I should just play and sing whatever she right. wanted. And it's weird because that's not every fan, but there are some that treat us like that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like the, the level of entitlement, ma'am, you paid $17 plus tax for your ticket. Like you did not pay yeah. for me to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in the grand it's crazy, of things, man. No, yeah, it's it, crazy, it man. Like, but like, I, yeah, I, I was gonna say, I think that you know, I wouldn't say they're the majority at all. Like, it's definitely no, the they're not of fans. It's very, yeah, it's it's definitely the minority of fans. It's it doesn't even happen that often. It's like here or there, but when it does happen, it sticks with you. 
it it kind of hurts. It like it on from I can tell you from like my side, like it kind of stings. It's like, is that really what you think of me? Shit, like that sucks. Yeah, and well, and especially like, you know, again going back to let's say you're playing a club, you know, um, pull the the dates back up here. Your your date in um, Fort Wayne is a smaller cap room, if I remember mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're gonna be at Pierre's. Yep. So Pierre's is like maybe a thousand fifteen hundred cap tops. Um, you know what people don't think about is, especially now after COVID, like that's a totally different thing on whether or not you can come to the merch table and stuff. But like when an artist doesn't come to the merch table, it's not that they're hiding necessarily or that they're trying to be an asshole. They have to be out of the fucking venue at a certain yeah. time. Otherwise they don't get paid. Like, well, also nowadays, do. nowadays with COVID, you have to be out of the venue as soon as you get off stage. Like a lot yeah. of bands have been told already, you know, by our labels and stuff like, hey, listen, we know you love your fans. But if one person gets COVID and gets sick, the whole tour is over. So you get on stage, you play, you get off stage, you go in the van. You have a merch person who does all that and they'll, they'll you know, talk to all the fans and everything else. You yeah. can't really risk. You can't really we can't risk our health at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we want to keep playing live shows. This is the only way to do it right now. Yeah, and especially right now, like, we, you know, hopefully are getting COVID under control and things like that. But at the same time, regardless of if COVID was a thing, like, what if you just are fighting the edge of a cold or a flu? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you need vocal rest. You need these these different things. So, like, I I get it on the one side that, you know, okay, they're only coming through town once every six months to a year whatever it is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at the same time like they're still fucking people and i think when when yeah. listeners start remembering that you're still a fucking person you're allowed these things uh it it changes perspective quite a bit now that being said obviously and i don't think you're saying this either the goal is not to be like use this as a crutch and be like, well, I couldn't do yeah. it because, you know, whatever. Yeah. If 99% of the time, I would say an artist, if they say, look, we can't come out tonight, you know, I've seen those tweets and those Instagram posts like, hey, we can't come out to the merch table tonight. Sorry, guys, like venues strict or whatever. Like, yeah, it's not them just not wanting to do it because you guys understand and you can speak to this for sure. The absolute reason that you're able to be a musician on the road is because of fans. So it's yeah. not that I don't want to see you. It's that shit doesn't work sometimes. Yeah, it's I, I, I agree with you entirely. And you're like 100% right. Like, it's not that we only tour because fans allow us to tour like this is this is for you. And it's happening because of you. So it's never that we don't want to talk to you. It's just especially now with like COVID restrictions and stuff. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, we're, we really can't do any of that stuff. It's like just the venues or like, you know, like our TMs are just trying to keep us safe. And they're just like, hey, we just, right. we can't have that right now. Yeah. Even even outside of COVID times, like, you know, I know I've been at, at venues where some venues just have super strict, like cutoff times for loadouts and stuff. And it's mm -hmm. like the band is uh, yeah. big enough to have a full crew loading in and out yeah. for them so like you guys are literally running the amps and the drum kit and everything out to the bus yeah sorry yeah gotta go i've played i've played venues where like the the curfew was literally about like 10 minutes after we were done with our set and so i'm like yeah. there's no way to load everything off the stage meet everyone and sell you merch in 10 minutes like i just really can't do it yeah no there <laughs> A, a quick story that was kind of like that was I went and saw a band. Um, I'm trying to remember who they opened up for. It's a band called the 68 and I'm going to forget what fucking show. Oh, that band's sick. Right. God, they're, they're so super good. Fucking fun. They're so good. Super fucking fun. But literally because they're the opener, they know they have to get off the stage. Right. Yeah. So what they did is they started off with the full drum kit and they're playing their last song and they broke it down and like they had a stagehand coming out they took away a symbol and then they'd come take away one of his toms and he just kept shifting over to finish the song just on a snare yeah him and the guitarist and it was like people i don't think appreciated that that was both theatrical 
but it was also we have to get you off the fucking stage yeah because we're on a yeah. <laughs> schedule here like this yeah i i saw them i saw them do that with uh i think they were on tour with the devil as prada when i saw them do that yeah um and i thought it was the coolest thing ever but also because i'm in a band i was like oh wait that's right they're you know the the headline is backlined and so like the yeah. other the next band's equipment is already behind them so they need to pull off their stuff as quickly as possible dude yeah. I literally thought that and right as I thought that like they get off the stage and literally almost like instantly like within minutes like the next band is already on and I'm like yep I'm like that is so sick like they, <laughs> they're getting this stuff pulled off while they're playing so that the next band doesn't have to waste any time like just bringing stuff on and everything else yeah and it, it, it's crazy it's super respectful obviously uh but it was just crazy like I was with a buddy and he's like just kind of looking at it like, what the fuck is happening? You know, like I've never <laughs> seen a band break down during during their set. And I'm like, I told him as they were, you know, final note and they're walking off the stage, I go, I bet you whoever the next band was, uh, I go, I bet you they're ready in like five minutes flat. And he's like, no way. And like you said, they get off stage, the 68 yep. makes this, the stage and immediately stage crews pulling the next band up. And it's like, holy shit. Yep, yep. That's like one of the most genius things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were so good. If anybody's uh, listening to this and hasn't checked out the 68, definitely fucking do it. Yeah, seriously listen to that band. They're fucking incredible. All right, Joey. So um, I think that's everything I've got for you, uh, except for my last two little like kind of fun questions. Uh, yeah. number, number one is going to be kind of the the stereotypical one. I do this one a lot. Gotcha. But let's say in a perfect world, you know, COVID's gone. You guys can tour anywhere, any size fucking venue. What would be the ideal varsity headlining tour lineup look like? The ideal varsity headlining tour. God, that's such a hard question. Um, <laughs> I would want to tour with Underworld uh from first to last with sunny even though that's not you know a thing and uh let's see and <laughs> in cradle of filth just someone super weird that no okay. one is gonna expect <laughs> <laughs> i i mean i i'd be down to see that show um dude that'd be so sick could you imagine <laughs> well it would be the like especially depending on where cradle of filth falls in the lineup like what the fuck is happening here? You know, like, yeah, right. even if they open, it goes into these other, like these post hardcore bands and you're like, what the fuck just happened? But if it's oh like, Oh my God, that'd be so sick. From first to last cradle. And then you like, what the fuck did we just see? Like this God, that'd be the greatest progression of bands <laughs> ever. Cause it's like, they, they kind of get heavier and then it, it peaks and cradle the field. And then we come on right afterwards and people like, excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah where'd this come uh, from um god that'd be speaking so of, uh, yeah speaking of sunny though i saw a meme it's been years ago like when he started doing this skrillex thing uh that said i remember skrillex when he was still called sunny moore and was a pissed off teenager yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i remember skrillex but he was still called sunny moore god i it i i honestly like i didn't i never really got too into skrillex um i i like the music um I like I was always like bumping it here and there, but I never got like crazy into it. Um, but I've yeah. loved everything he's ever done from first to last. Yeah, he I mean, if you needed angst and just aggression back in the day, he was the guy. Yeah, he was it. He was the guy. He he was like all of the, the teenage emotions in one <laughs> in one human. Yeah, to to this day, Emily is one of my favorite fucking songs. Oh God, I was just listening to that yesterday. Funny thing, I was talking about uh, the next record and who we wanted to do like co-writes with and I brought up Matt Good. Yep. Because um, Matt Good is like one of my Solid. favorite guitarists and like he's like a huge producer now. Yeah. And after I was done with that, I started listening to Heroin and I went back to listen to Dia Diary and I started listening to Emily and I'm like, God, this song is this song still slaps even today. It's so good. <laughs> it's so damn good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then... Uh, Kind of the last question is more of just the, um, I guess it's the standard closing question. Uh, I'm going to link all the social medias and stuff, but where can fans find you? 
what you know kind of what can they expect on social media from you things like that uh so we're on literally every social media <laughs> app we're on instagram facebook even tiktok which i never use i i i don't know how to use tiktok and i just don't feel like figuring it out um so you can literally find us anywhere um and we just literally post random things it would uh, none of our social medias are run as a business they probably should be but we we literally post on them like if we're children so expect a lot of really dumb shit <laughs> But honestly, like, so I think that's kind of a catch 22 as well. I've said that before where like Instagram, especially yeah. if, if you go to an Instagram, if I go to an Instagram and it's like perfectly curated and everything's so like has the same exact look and you know what I mean? It, it looks too, yeah. too commercial and fake. Like we were talking before the, the real episode started here, like, okay, but this band doesn't play music that is yeah. like that. So why would I listen? You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't make sense. And I think, I think a, a reverse example of that, their Instagram is super well curated is in this moment. Like, yeah, if you go there, it's super well curated, very commercial band type stuff. But then if you go to any of their personal ones, it's just them living life. And it's like, I think, that's the only other way you can do it is either the band account yeah, has to be us being real living life or our individuals. So it's funny because our, it's funny that you say that because our band account should be that, but I post on my band account. Like if it's my personal one, like I'll post like a picture and then the caption would be like emojis and me cursing and all types of stuff. <laughs> and my honestly, like I thought it was going to get me in trouble with my label at first, but they're like, actually, I think people like, that you're just always yourself and the band never tries hard to like seem like like you know like an industry plant or something like that like you guys are just being you um so it kind of works yeah. you know yeah no i i totally agree and you know i think um the it goes back to that authenticity right like mm -hmm. if i wanted the corporate side of things the cookie cutter Kim Kardashian and whoever, right? Mm -hmm. but, and that's not what I connect to. So I think that's where, and you know, we've talked about the label again. We haven't named them. Yeah. Social media is, uh, it's weird, um, especially when it comes to like authenticity and like connecting with like an audience and everything else. Um, I kind of, this is going to be really left field, but um, I kind of fucking hate social media. <laughs> like I, I really, really, really hate it. If, if it wasn't for this band, I would not be on this. I would have deleted all of my social medias a long time ago and I would have been a hermit. Uh, but you know, you kind of need it to survive in the world we live in nowadays. So it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely become like a necessary evil monster. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's so easy to be like, I, I fucking hate Facebook or, or whatever. But the only way I can get a lot of my news now or updates about a band or whatever is through these channels. Yeah. Like if I don't, honestly, if I don't have a social media, then no one will ever listen to my music or no one will ever even know who I am. So I guess for now, I'll just fucking suffer. That's, <laughs> that's my thought process every morning when I get on social media. <laughs> Until something new comes along. And I, I'm sure at some point there will be something new. Oh, well, um, Facebook is changing their name to Meta now, which is... I saw that. I don't. I haven't read the article yet. I, do, I like, don't even want to. I don't even want to. I don't even want to look into it. I'm so. I. I saw it. and I'm like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I. I don't know. It'll be weird, but um, that's everything. Like I said, I'm definitely going to try to uh, see if I can work out getting up there to uh, Fort yeah. Wayne and Pierre's on the 10th. Um, if I if I can, I'll let you know for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, looking forward to this. I think fans definitely need to have you guys on, on their radars because I, I really think you're right at the edge of blowing up, man. 
Thank you. I appreciate that, man. I, I don't see it, but if you say it, I believe you. So <laughs> I'm going with that. <laughs> Sounds good. Again, I appreciate your time. Uh, this will be going up next week, and we'll definitely be in touch, man. Yeah, sounds good, man. If you if you have any other questions or need me for like anything else, dude, just don't hesitate to hit me up. Like I'm always down to do these things. Awesome. I appreciate it, bud. All right, man. You have yourself a good one. Thanks, you too. Thanks, man. And that was my conversation with Joey Valera of the band Varsity. Once again, thank you to Joey for taking the time to do this conversation. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I think this is a band. I've said it a thousand times on this podcast. Not really, because this is episode number 94. So I've probably said it 94 times that this is a band that you need to have on your radar. Um, you need to be checking them out. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I can guarantee that. But when this album drops, I really believe there's at least one song on this album regardless of what type of music you listen to, what type of, of songs you're normally into, whatever, there's going to be at least one song on this new album, Welcome Home, that drops November the 19th, that you guys relate to and, and can just jam out to. Um, make sure you follow Varsity on social media. I'll have all that linked, as I always do, in the description of this podcast. Um, you know, go give them a follow, like, share, subscribe, whatever. Um, let them know that you listened to this episode. All that stuff comes in handy too when I'm getting other artists. I can, you know, show some track record. Uh, so, you know, I, I think this is one of those bands, like I told Joey there towards the end, um, they're right on the edge of blowing up. And I'm really hopeful that this debut album is is going to be that just jump off point for them and and the rest of this year and into 2022 is just going to be crazy successful for them i think so um other than that you know as always if you could give us a like a share a subscribe a follow um instagram is where i am primarily active and then every single week on wednesday we are dropping the you make the scene podcast uh, so you'll hear more awesome conversations like you just heard. Um, and then the first and third Monday of every month, we are doing Musicians for Mental Health, which is a totally separate podcast. You need to jump over and make sure you're subscribed to it as well. Um, both of them are totally free. But on Musicians for Mental Health, we focus uh, a lot more in the mental health side of things. We, obviously, we talk about the music because we're talking to music, musicians as well. But it's definitely got much more of a focus around mental health, you know, depression, anxiety, suicide prevention, um, bipolar disorder. We've had non-binary guests. We've had uh, Korean-American guests and talked about Asian hate and how that affects mental health and things like that. Um, we had Boy Becomes Hero on and talked about kind of the manic side of mental health where you've got those kind of like manic depressive disorder but you know without that diagnosis where sometimes things are rocking and everything's really good and then other times it's not um, and just kind of how to navigate some of these things you know we're not licensed mental health professionals we're not therapists counselors psychiatrists anything like that um, we can only give our personal experience and um, kind of our perspective on things, but um, I think it's it's a great set of conversations that we're having. So uh, that's everything for this week, guys. So I do want you to, again, make sure you are liking, sharing, subscribing, following uh, Varsity on all of their social medias. Uh, as well as the You Make the Scene social medias. Um, and I think this week we're going to take you out with one of the newer singles from Varsity's upcoming debut uh, full-length album, and that album is called Welcome Home. 
The song that we're going to take you out with is their latest release, their latest single, which is called Finesse. Remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. Don't know me.